Thank you, Paul and Leslie. Appreciate your faithful service. Good to see you all here today. How's everyone doing? <laughs> that was robust. <laughs> I'm going to try that one more time. We all practice mix. So how's everyone today? Fantastic. There we go. All right. We're moving along already, aren't we? Absolutely. Well, let's take our Bibles this afternoon and uh, turn to the Gospel of John. Uh, John chapter 8, we continue to look through Jesus' I am statements. We looked at one last week. I am the bread of life. Uh, this week we'll go to chapter uh, 8 of John, John chapter 8, and we're going to begin reading at verse 12. John chapter 8, beginning at verse 12, and we'll uh, read through verse 20. John chapter 8, verse 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself, thy record is not true. Jesus answered and said unto them, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true. For I know whence I came and whither I go, but you cannot tell whence I come and whither I go. You judge after the flesh, I judge no man, and yet if I judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone, but I and the Father that sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one that bear witness of myself, and the Father that sent me beareth witness of me. Then said they unto him, Where is thy father? And Jesus answered, You neither know me nor my father. If you had known me, you should have known my father also. And these words spoke Jesus in the treasury, as he, was taught in the te- as he taught in the temple, and no man laid hands on him, for his hour was not yet come. May God add a special blessing in the reading of his word, and let us just pause for prayer this afternoon. Father God, we again thank you for this day, a day that we've been able to set aside and to worship and to come together and to have fellowship with one another as we praise and worship you. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity to gather without persecution. Father, we also thank you for what you've done through the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, as we've read this passage of Scripture, we've asked that you allow us to see the light of the world. We would see it from your perspective, that we would uh, relationally never have been closer than these moments of which we're living right now in union with you. Father, we'll pray for each one that's come out this afternoon as well. We'd ask that you'd bless them and their families. Again, Father, provide protection and provision. And now, Father, as these moments we commit to you, asking the Holy Spirit exclusively to be our teacher. We lean on and want to learn from you. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Jesus is one of those, uh, as as he walked the earth for 33 years, three of them in particular, his ministry was actively engaged in making himself known to the people. And they've seen quite a bit of him. In fact, they've seen him heal. They've seen him feed thousands of people with literally nothing to start with. And he's beginning to say things that are, quite honestly, dividing. It's kind of like the Continental Divide. If you're on the Continental Divide, 
it's the watershed is all going to go one way or the other. There's no middle. There's no middle rivers on the top of the continental divide. It's going to go one, and that was literally how people received him. You're either for him or you're against him. And when he makes statements such as he did here, um, the response was just that way, one way or the other. One way or the other. And today we talk about light. Light. We should make clear of where we're at today, or where Jesus is at as he's making these statements. He's actually, if you noticed in verse uh, uh, 20 of chapter 8, it says he was in the treasury. Uh, now, if you were to take, and unfortunately I didn't do enough homework and didn't have put up for you on the screen, Laramie could have given us a picture of the, and if Laramie's listening, he's really pretty astute, he might be able to find us a diagram of, <laughs> that was leading, wasn't that leading? It's pretty good. Yeah, I don't know if Laramie thinks it's very good, but at any rate, as we're contemplating that, he might be able to find a picture of a diagram of the Jewish temple and how it was laid out in if, if he does able to do that through the course of the next few minutes, but in the event that doesn't happen, there is a court on the outside of, of, I would say, the internal portions or components of the temple, and it was called the Court of Women. And most everyone could gather there except for Gentiles. But it was a place that was very, especially during events. Now, by the way, there was a feast that was taking place. In fact, let's turn back in your Bibles, if you've got them there, and turn to chapter 7. Chapter 7... And uh, maybe it's not going to tell me where I'm at. You'll have to take my word for it because I can't find that verse. How's that? I'll tell you next week. But essentially, the feast that they're gathered up for this in this event is the, the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, the Feast of Tabernacles, and this plays in beautifully in what literally Jesus is claiming to do. The Feast of Tabernacles was a celebration of the event of when the Israelites were taken out of Egypt... And we're wandering around the wilderness for 40 years. And if I was to ask you, how did they know where and when to go? And that's what this celebration is all about. How did God lead them? He led them by a cloud of fire. Or I could even say a cloud of light. I should say that a cloud of light in the daytime. And at night, wherever that, the pillar of fire, that's where they settled in. So they were led, literally, by light. That's what the Feast of Tabernacles is all about. And it's, they are gathering for this feast. And on the nights of every one of those week, of the, of days of the week, there would be large candelabras that would be lit, and they would say you could literally see them all across Jerusalem. It just like lit up the sky in commemoration of God literally leading the Israelites through a wilderness where there were no lights, they just followed God by this essence of having light present. Okay, that's the presence. That's where we're at. Now, the treasury is actually, as I said, in the court of the women. And around that would have been offerings or treasures, 13 of them. And I don't remember which ones were which, but they, were, they were, had like a, uh, a box. And it would be like a trumpet or a bell-shaped uh, receptacle. And they were for different parts of the, the ministry of, of the temple or of the people. And so that's where he was at when he made these comments. It's the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, so it's literally the unfolding. It's went by, and now for him to say to this group of people, I am the light of the world. Now, he didn't say this, I am a light 
of the world, or I am a light in the world. He said, I am the light of the world. That's pretty, pretty exclusive. In fact, uh, those priests, those religious leaders would have probably went back to Isaiah chapter 42. Let's go there for a moment. Uh, Isaiah chapter 42, verses 5 and 6. It's a description of the Messiah to come. And let's just read these verses 5 and 6 in Isaiah chapter 42. Thus saith the Lord, the, I'm sorry, thus saith God, the Lord, he that created the heavens and stretched them out, he that spread forth the earth and that cometh out of it, he that giveth breath unto the people upon it, and spirit to them that walk therein. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness and will hold thine hand and will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people for a light of the Gentiles, or a light of the world. Turn with me to uh, Isaiah chapter 49, again, verses 5 and 6. Isaiah chapter 49, verses 5 and 6. Again, speaking of the coming Messiah. And now saith the Lord that formed me from the womb to be his servant. I want to talk about that. Formed me from the womb. It just hit me just right now, but uh, as we get later on today in the, in the lesson, uh, I want to actually, that just strikes something uh, to me. Anyway, again, saith the Lord that formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob again to him, though Israel be not gathered, yet shall I be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. And he said, it is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up tribes of, of Jacob and restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles, or to the world, that thou mayest be my salvation on the end of the earth. When, he, when Jesus said, I am the light of the world, what he was claiming to be, and all the religious leaders got this, he had just claimed to be the Messiah. Now that's a huge deal. Because again, they're seeing everything from the external. Everything from the external. Let's go back to our text now in John for a moment. John chapter 8. And let's think about light as he's saying this. In fact, before you do that, if you're in John, turn back quickly to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And remind us of a few things as John the Apostle laid out for us the sense of light. We'll begin in John 1.1. 1, 1. We did it last week as well. But what a perfect picture of the Messiah or the incarnation, the, the uh, Son of God, Emmanuel, God with us. In verse 1, chapter 1 of John, it says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God, speaking of Jesus Christ. The Word, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. He's the Creator. Verse 4, in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Now, that's interesting how that is stated. Verse 5. Uh, obviously, we know that light dispels darkness. Uh, think of yourself. Uh, I, for me, probably the darkest place I've ever been. Well, it would be one of two places. One of them, have any, has anyone been? I think it's the Wonderland Cave or something in South Dakota. It's in the Black Hills area. No one's been there? Yeah, Lewis and Clark, you've been, you, they're actually, see, someone at least verified, there's my witness, that there's another place, someone has verified there's a Wonderland cave. And I may have shared this with you before, Mom, we were just little kids, little tykes, and uh, we lived in North Dakota at the time, and we went to the Black Hills for a vacation, just a getaway. 
And I will guarantee you, I'm pretty well convinced, the trip was probably only about three or 400 miles, but there was advertisements keeping on, keeping on, going to Wonderland Cave about 600 miles. And my father was so sick of wanting to stop at the Wonderland Cave, he just said, whatever, <laughs> whatever. But I remember going down, and you descended into, into, you know, again, I wouldn't know where we were at. I'm just following a guide. And that guide, we had a light. And we get down to the, wherever we were at, and there's this, a fairly large group of people, and I was just a little tight. And they said, now we want to show you how dark dark is. They did the same thing in Lewis and Clark Caverns. Those, those two places, as dark a place I've ever been, when they shut the lights off, you literally couldn't see anything. Right? And light pierces or dispels darkness. Now think of that for a moment now. He just said that, that there were... Let's go back. Let's read verse 5 with that in mind. I already skipped back to... Let's go back to John chapter 1, verse 5. Let's read it one more time with that. And the light shineth in the darkness. Now again, let's, let's poke at that. If you're in this deepest, darkest cave, and there's nothing to see... And think of yourself groping around in there for days... Can you imagine the frantic, the unleashing of fear? That's fear. Now, that's why today, folks, that fear is so rampant in our world because they don't know Jesus. He is the light. He's just declared himself. You either believe he is the light or you don't believe he's the light. Now, oftentimes, ignorance is a result of not knowing. Okay? Or let me say it another way. Unbelief is the result of ignorance, not knowing, belief, not knowing. Now that can be solved as truth. That's why I always say, seek truth, find truth. The word of God is truth. If you continue to seek truth, you will find it. That's God's promise. But if you, if you are exposed to truth, now something can or cannot happen. You either believe it or you don't. Now, unbelief in the face of truth is very dangerous. That means I will not believe. Do you see the difference? Now, if I don't know what to believe, or I don't know the truth, that's way different in a better position than to be exposed to truth and literally to say, I will not believe that. Because unbelief in that nature will never have enough proof. Unbelief never has enough proof when it's chosen to be unbelief. That's why in Romans chapter 1, did you, was that last week's, did I give you an assignment last week or not? I don't think I did, did I? What a poor teacher I am. <laughs> but if you remember from two weeks ago, let's go back to, uh, this is really not in my outline, but let's go there for a second. Let's uh, hold your place in John, we'll be right back. We turn to Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 1, and we're just going to pop in here to verse 21. And, and I know you guys read a lot more of that, which is to your advantage, Romans chapter 1, verse 21, which I think is, is an amazingly depictive scene of where America is today, and maybe even our world. Uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 21 says this, Because that, when they knew God, they glorified, not as, glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, watch, and their foolish heart was darkened. Now, that is what, now let's go back to John 1, 1. It says this, the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. 
That's exactly what the religious leaders are doing right here. They're not comprehending the light because they're blind. Because they've chosen not to believe. They were confronted with truth. Now they came back and said, well, let's go to John chapter 8 and, and let's read this again for ourselves because there's something to come right with right away. And that's why I use that little, uh, as Carol raised her hand saying she had been to Wonderland Cave, it made the fact that if I was the only one in this whole room, which I was prior to her raising her hand, she was so nice, is the fact that you've been there too, even better. That means two or three witnesses make it much more true than if I would have just said it, you said, right, Larry. But when Carol and... Josh, I was looking for Mr. Hansen, but Josh, when, he, when they both said, guess what it did? It just gave a sense of credence to that, didn't it? And that's exactly where they come from. So who are you to say you are the light of the world? There's no witnesses. Now watch what he says. John chapter 8. I've got to find my passage. It's uh, verse 12. We'll read it again. Then said Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have... The light of life. The Pharisees therefore said, Thou bearest record of thyself. Thy record is not true. And they're saying, there's no witnesses to this. Now he says, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true. Why would he say that? Because light's presence is absolutely clearly understood and visible. Unless you're blind. How do you become blind? By ignoring truth. By disbelieving what is before you. Truth does not become proof because you believe it. Truth is truth regardless of what you say, think, or believe. That's very, very important. You don't, now that's what's wrong with our country. Is because it's, it's been, I don't know how long ago it started. I don't know, 50, 60, 70, whatever years ago. A long time ago. But it became, no longer was there absolute truth. Truth was whatever you wanted it to be. Now I have done business with people that literally, today truth is one thing. Because it's best for them. Tomorrow, truth can change if it's not best for them tomorrow. So in other words, truth, no, that is not truth. That is truth just at the convenience of that person. We're talking about real truth. We're talking about truth that can't change because it wouldn't be truth if it did. You can't have opposing truth. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. This is really, really important. The only way that you can deny truth when it's in your face is literally to disbelieve. And that's exactly where these religious leaders... Plus the fact... Uh, I, I want to barge into this other thing that I was going to do, but I don't think it's the right time, so I'm not going to do that. I don't think I'm going to do that. But it fits. It fits right here. Um, anyway, <clears throat> the light of truth dispels the darkness of falsehood. And you see the contrast between light and darkness. The light of wisdom will dispel darkness of ignorance. The light of holiness will dispel the darkness of impurity. The light of joy will dispel the darkness of sorrow. You see the light on the side of dispelling darknesses. And again, the significance of him saying that at this moment of the ending of the Feast of Tabernacles, because there were no more candelabras on this last night. This night they didn't light it. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And those that follow me will be in the light. A massive statement. And they didn't take it very kindly. Let's continue on. Let's see. Verse 14, we'll finish what he said. Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true. For I know whence I came and whether I go. But you cannot tell 
whence I came and whither I go. You judge after the flesh, I judge no man. What is he saying here? Everything that the Pharisees and Sadducees, the religious leaders, their judgment is from an external situation. Now, now we're not going to go into it today, but chapter 8, verses 1 through 11, 1 through 12, is speaking about the woman caught in adultery. Now, it doesn't, that, that story, that picture, is not in a lot of manuscripts. Not saying it's not true, uh, but it's not in a lot of them. But the, the point of the matter is, there again, how did they judge that person? From the external. Jesus now is talking about a spiritual condition, getting behind the external, the veneer, if you will, which is really where the, the, the religious leaders were really having a problem. They wanted to look good, but not be good. And Jesus Christ is that light that dispels darkness. Let's go to Psalm chapter 27. Psalm chapter 27. Let's go there for a moment. Psalm 27 and verse 1. <clears throat> Psalm 27, 1. The Lord, this is Psalm of David, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? That's why if you're walking in the light, and clearer to that, turn all the way over to 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5. This is written by the same Apostle John that we're reading, uh, the Gospel of John. 1 John is written by the same man. In verse 5 of chapter 1 says this, This then is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. That's fantastic news. That's fantastic news. So if, if, you're, if you're following after light, let's go back to John chapter 8. There's something that Jesus said in this. There's, there's, a, there's a sense of choice. Verse 12, chapter 8, once again, turn back to John chapter 8, verse 12. He says, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me. What does following him mean? Following him. He said, follow me. Excuse me? Okay? In other words, when you're doing that, when you're following him, you're trusting him. Faith. Faith. You're believing what he's saying is true. When you take the word of God and you unfold it, you unpack it, and you see what Jesus said, do you believe that? If you do, follow him. Because then you're following the light. And when you're, follow, when you're in the light, you become like him. You become like him. Romans chapter 8, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Let's go to John 7, 17. Just turn back a page in your, in your scripture. John chapter 7 and verse 17. Now watch this. This really gives us a little different picture. Now this was just spoken during the same Feast of the Tabernacles, just not very long before chapter 8. Verse 17, chapter 7. If any man will do his will, speaking of God, if any man will do God's will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. So one of the things we can say, when you're following God, you are wanting to do his will. And if you're choosing to do his will, you will see the light. The light will be very apparent to you. It will be very, very clear. The truth will be there for you to be exposed to. Now, one of the things I think is extremely important is, are we willing to follow the light? That's a good question. I might have spoke to you last, I sometimes mix up what I say to the truth seekers and what I say to you guys, but um, there was a guy that I was uh, spending some time with and uh, pretty hands-off, there is no God, there's, there's probably an it, 
There's a force because when you, when you push far enough, there's got to be something bigger than what we are or what this just perpetuates. There's design. Why is there male and female? Right? I mean, you think it just happened? Really? No, you can't believe that, right? And they just add a little more time. Well, that's, yeah, that's a biggie, male, female. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, let's add a couple more billion years. Uh, just add time. That, that doesn't help design. But anyway, we, we kind of got down over several conversations. And I asked this. I said, even if you were convinced, even if you, it could be proven to you that there is a God, a personal God, by the way, one that literally has made this creation for his enjoyment, but also for your good. Could you believe it? <laughs> he couldn't answer it. Now, does, do you see what that's telling me? Now, again, this is, I, I still pray for his man. This man's name is Steve. Please pray for him. It's no one you would know, but please pray for Steve. Do you see what that, what, do you see what that is? Do you remember what Pharaoh said? When, when the Israelites, Moses and uh, with Aaron, they went to, to the, God had said, I want, you, I want to get the Israelites out of this country and I'm going to take them to their homeland. Okay? And they go, and what does Pharaoh say? No, I refuse to. I, and it says in the first couple of plagues, he, Pharaoh, hardened his heart. He said, I won't believe that God knows what's best. But did you see about plague five or plague six it said god hardened his heart that's a scary place because now you're coming from i won't believe to you can't believe now that's a god thing that's not mine that's not anything but what i'm saying is the sensitivity to believing what you know to be true don't let time go by because pharaoh is a prime example of what it was to literally not believe what god was laying out as truth that's what Romans chapter 1 is about. Where we are in our nation today. There are people that can't spot truth and hit them in the face. Why? Because they resisted it. Their foolish hearts became, what did it say? Darkened. The difference between light and dark. Now, now light had, we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 5 here in a little bit. Because it helps us understand maybe more on a reality basis of how light and darkness fit together. There are two concepts or two character. Now, I'd say just two concepts that light revolves around. One of it is intellectual. An intellectual think of light and darkness. We'll look at some. We'll look at some examples. Of it. And then the second one is behavior, moral behavior. There is intellectual, and there is moral behavior. Those both have to do with light and darkness. We'll be looking at those as we get to to Ephesians chapter five. But right now, let's go to. Uh, let's see. No, I'm good with that. Let's just go to Ephesians chapter 5. Let's go there. Ephesians chapter 5, and we'll read this passage, and then we'll come back and we will uh, look at it. Ephesians chapter 5. Jesus has claimed to be the light of the world. To follow after him, you will walk in light. Now, think for a moment. If you were, let's go back to our cave. And how many have been in Lewis and Clark caves? Man, hands should fly up, right? All of you have, basically. And you probably went through the same... The same uh, little exercise. It's been a lot of years since I was through there. I, I don't remember how many years ago, but we descended, right? You always descend, and, and then there was this platform, or there was this base camp, or whatever you want to call it. There's a lot of people there, and then, did, we, did you guys have lights yourselves? No. No, you just had a leader with a light, correct? And then maybe the staircases were, 
I don't remember. It's been so long ago, I don't remember all the details. But nonetheless, I do remember this part of it. Let's turn the lights off. Woo! Maybe it was dark. But let's, again, put yourself in that, in that position. You're by yourself. You're alone. You don't know the map. You don't have a clue where you're at. You just know it's supremely dark. I don't even know what supremely dark is, but it's really, really dark. Times two. Let's take it times a million, and then a little more darkness. Okay? Really dark. And you're groping around, and, and you don't... And by the way, you also know something about caves, too, don't you? It's not flat all over. Right? In fact, you, there could be a crevice, a drop-off, a hole, a who knows what, Right? And you don't know where you're at. And yeah, there's those critters too. There's all kinds of critters in there. Who knows what other kind of critters? I can tell a little story about my little piece of hay equipment, but I'll leave that for another day this week. It was crazy, but that's, that's another week. Anyway, so now you're in this deep, and you're groping around, and let's say it's just say two weeks. And you know right away your mind, oh, I'd get really hungry. Yes, you would, but forget about that for a second. Let's just say you could get through hunger and thirst. Two weeks. Where would you be mindset-wise? Whoa! And all of a sudden, out of the blue, you see a, just a little pencil of a light. Let me guess. You wouldn't go towards it. Of course you would. That's my whole point. When Jesus shines as a light, you want to go there. But this is what I want you to catch in this so far. So you start edging toward it. And you're being careful, too, because you can't see anything else between you and that light. And you finally get there, and the light gets bigger, and it gets bigger, and it gets bigger. And finally there's an opening, and you boil out of that place and you can't believe how wonderful it is it's fantastic am i am i animating enough uh, i'm hoping so i mean it would just be unbelievable but what i want you to think about next is once you've been exposed to the teaching to the light of jesus christ and you see the plethora of all that he is then why do we want to go back into the deeds or the thinking of darkness. Would you want to go back into the cave again for two weeks? No. So why do we do that? Why do we do that? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Paul is writing now. Again, as you know, Paul's writings, uh, he starts off with right thinking. Because his, his premise, which is absolutely right, to live right, you have to think right. And to think right... You have to believe right. You've got to have the truth. You have to believe the truth. And when truth is set in you, that's when you're able then to literally, as following the light, I'm going to use the word light, to follow truth, then is when you're able to live right. Living in the light. Okay. So the first three chapters of Ephesians is talking about thinking right, believing right, getting it right. Now, Ephesians chapter 5, let's do this first. Let's read uh, Ephesians chapter 5. We'll read verses 8 through 14 first, and then we're going to come back and we'll walk back through it. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 14. For you were sometimes darkness, but now you are, are, I'm sorry, but now are you light in the Lord, walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest, are made clear by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore, he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ 
shall give thee light. Now, there are six chapters in Ephesians. Three of them have to do with right thinking. And in chapter 4, beginning chapter 4 through 6, it's about unfolding like rubber meets the road. This is how we live. This is things that literally, this is what should be exemplary of how your life is moving and breathing and living. Uh, Chapter 4, verse 1 uh, says this. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy. Walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you were called. That's been the whole premise. He wants to get you thinking, thinking right, so that you can live right, to walk worthy. And look at chapter 5 and verse 1. He says, be ye therefore followers. Where did we see that today already? Be followers of God. And that's following in Jesus, his, the light. Chap, verse 2, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Literally, Jesus Christ is our pattern. He is our, if you will, our hero. The one of which we are to be imitators of. To be following after. In fact, uh, hold your place. We'll be right back. But go to Romans. If you can find Romans chapter 8. And and I want you to think about a couple. There's a couple things you notice. I've laid some things out for you to keep a hold of in the back of your mind as we move forward. Romans chapter 8. And let us look at something. This is why God saved you. This is why he sent Jesus Christ to the earth to pay for your sins, that you would receive freedom from them in the power of grace in accepting that free gift. He did the work for you to receive. Verse 29, for whom, this is chapter 8 of Romans, verse 29. We'll come back to verse 28 in a second. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed. That's what I want you to conformed. To the image of his son. Tell me about what's conformed mean. What does conformed mean? To be made like, right? Yeah. To be conformed to. In other words, literally, God's whole pattern for us in sending Jesus Christ to save us from our sins was to make us like Jesus. That's why it says in chapter 5 of Ephesians, verse 1, be imitators or followers of God. Follow, again, what did Jesus say? I am the light of the word. The, he that follows after me shall be in the light. It all start, starts to make sense, doesn't it? Now, turn back. This is where it fits into our world. Uh, oh, shoot, I went all the way back. Let's go to uh, Romans 8. You guys are still there. Just hang on. Stay right there. I'll be right there with you. Now, turn with me to verse 28 of chapter 8 of Romans. This verse is one of the most well-known and the most rehearsed, especially in times of challenges and difficulties but let's watch it carefully now and we know romans 8 28 and we know that all things not some things not half things not a few things but all things work together for good and that's where we like to stop doesn't that sound good all things work together for good oh yes amen praise god that's absolutely what we want to hear but it doesn't stop there's not a period there let's keep reading And we know, you can count on it, that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are the called according to his purpose. Now that puts a little different light on it, doesn't it? How do we know when we love God? And it says, all things work together for good to those that love God. What does that mean? 
In other words, before you, before you, before you tell me, you're going to tell me. I'm giving you a little more time. Just letting you stall a little bit so you give me an answer. But let's put the flip side. In other words, if we don't love God, then it's not going to work out. Did you see that? That's, you see, whoa, that is exactly what it's saying. Because it's conditional. So, now quite simply, to love God means what? Okay? To follow him? And that fits right into where we're at today. To love something, to love, to love God is to love the things God loves and to hate the things God hates. So my job, your job, is to figure out what is it that God hates. I don't want any part of that. Right? And I want to love the things that God loves. And God loves righteousness. He loves light. There's no darkness in him. Right? He loves telling the truth. That's the, if you go, in, I, don't, I don't have it on me, I can't remember it, but in Proverbs, I believe, there are six things that God hates. No, there's seven, it says, that he hates, and there's two of them that are repeated. Lies. I bet he's just enthralled with the, the world today, isn't he? Are we hating the things that God hates and loving the things that God loves? three i'll get it in just a second got it wrong anyway now i'm really messed up <laughs> all right for those of you that can't see this 47 years ago and i'm writing a number on the board which is 61 million 628,524 this is a number that has to do with and symbolizes something that God hates a lot. Something that God gave that only God can make and only he created. You're here today because God gave you life. No one else gave you life. God is responsible for life. It says in the beginning, God created. He made Adam out of dirt. <laughs> and if you can make a man out of dirt. But then he did something even miraculous. He made a woman out of the rib of a man. Now that's a miracle, to make something good out of a man. There's not a lot of laughter going on among the guys here, is there? But only God has ever given life. He's the only one that can give life. He chose life. And he said it was very good. And you know when he said it was very good? It was when he made Adam and he gave him Eve. That was the first time that he said it is very good. Very good. That's obviously something that God loves. He designed it. He created it. He made it. Over 47 years in this nation alone, the anniversary date being January 22nd, there have been 61,628,524 babies that have been aborted. Let me say that one more time. 
61,628,524 lives were taken. Now, science, which everyone, want, atheists even want to know what science says. I love that. I, I read, you know, you, you can read some, some different articles or whatever online. Whatever you want to do. And at the bottom, there's always an atheist that says, show me the science. Science says that life begins at conception. And there's nothing to, there's nothing to, to talk about that. We had a high in 1990 of 1,600,000 babies that were aborted. Do, would you like to take a shot at the world number of abortions? I couldn't even find a good answer. It's anywhere from 56 million to 73 million a year. China alone is thought to be 12 to 13 million a year. Are you getting this? Are you getting this? This actually transposes to 98 per hour in the United States. That should be humbling to us. One year ago, on January 22nd, 2019, New York was the first state to sign a bill into law, Governor Cuomo, to literally allow infanticide. I have no words. We got to get this right. We have to get this right. And one of the things is we have, we, have, we have an election coming up. And by the way, what a privilege. I mean, let's think about that for a You're in the Bible. Do you know how many places they had that they could vote? <laughs> Paul is writing about this stuff in Ephesians, and that's why he was beheaded. Really, literally, he's not very far away from, because he trusted Christ. We've lived in a country that was founded for the religious freedoms and liberties for all. Where's their freedom? What's gone wrong? We've lost our way to truth. Our foolish hearts are darkened. This is done in darkness, people. And yet God's light is shining. He's even done it through the sense of the course of science. And proved, ladies and gentlemen, this is no longer a concept of not knowing when life starts. <laughs> and it's God's choice. And we bear as much responsibility when we check in the voting booth of men or women how they stand on life. Our traditional family. Today, 85% of our prison population grew up in a fatherless home. Did you hear me? 85%. This, is a, this, shouldn't, this shouldn't shock us. You see, that's light. That's truth. How do we respond to it? It's so easy to sometimes just... I can't do anything about it. I've heard that. And I say it. What can I do about it? You can certainly pray. <laughs> and if you haven't prayed a lot about this upcoming election, you need to get on your knees. You need to get on your knees. We will not survive going down this trail. Now, there is one spark of good news in this. And, I, and, and I, I want to, in one way, I wanted to shock you because that's what light does. If you come out of the darkness and boom, there's the light, sometimes it'll scare you, won't it? To see what you didn't even know was in the dark. I've seen, you know, sometimes, you know, like repairs on a piece of equipment that you didn't see, that you don't know about, and then you see it. 
<gasps> right? Well, this is even bigger. But the one thing that is interesting, I told you that the peak of abortions in America was 1990. It was 1.6 million. Now, the numbers that I'm using for this uh, is from the, I don't even know how they say it, Guttmacher, it's G-U-T-T-M-A-C-E-R, Institute, which actually is an arm of Planned Parenthood. They actually, so I think the numbers are, if anything, maybe conservative. But I'm choosing to do that. Okay? But now, to this year, 2000, I should say 2019, it was down to 830,000. So there's good news. And you know, the turning point as such was the fact when literally people could see through science, the light, when life begins. It makes a difference. Truth makes a difference. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32, the truth shall set you free, but you must choose to follow it. That's what Jesus is saying. You have to follow the light. It's not a question of, oh, I see the light. I like the light. Kind of cool light. But I don't know what I'm going to do with the light. Right? It's just like getting out of the cave and you see this pencil of light. Are you going to get out of there by looking at the light? Do you think we're going to, just looking at the, we've got to move towards the light. Right? Follow it. Follow it. In the time we will have spent here today, 150 lives will be exterminated in the United States. What is God doing? What is he thinking? Let's go back to a light walk. Let's go now to Ephesians chapter 5, and I'd like to read verses 8 through 14. I don't think I've... Have I done that? I get so distracted. The true seekers, gang, they say the same thing. You're so distracted. I say, that's who I am. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 14. Did we do this? We know what we're going to do? We did? Okay, very good. What if we do it again? (laughs) Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. For you were sometimes darkness. Yes, we did, but we're going to do it again. But now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light for the fruit of the Spirit. Now, there's another word. We did read it, by the way. Thanks for being so patient for me. You know, we could also inject a word right there. And I'm going to do it for convenience right now because of what we're talking about. In verse... um, Nine, for the fruit of the light. You say, well, how can you do that? Well, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God the Son has just called himself, I am the light. The fruit of the light. Fruit of the Spirit. Watch this now. This is something that should be showing up in us. If you're walking in the light, and if you've trusted Christ as Savior, you are in the light. Let's go to verse, let's say, do one more, where's that, verse 9. For the fruit of the light is all goodness and righteousness and truth. Think of those three things in response to what should someone look like that's walking in the light. It's right there. Those three things, goodness, righteousness, and truth. We'll come back to it in a minute. There was two things, two aspects of light that we talked about. Does anyone remember? There's two parts of it, if you will. It's too long ago, right? Okay. So let's write this down. It'll be better. Are you guys kind of visual people? I'm a visual guy. In fact, you can tell you what. You, you can answer this question for yourself. Let's say that you're watching or listening to a little video clip or a YouTube or something. Okay? 
Now, you know what I do if I've got the picture and it's going on and these guys are making a, doing a story and they're talking with their hands? You know what I'm reading? If they have it written, it's so much better for me. I read it while they're saying it, but I'm a visual person. If I see it, I get it. If you just come up and start talking to me, I'll get some of it, but I really, really have to focus. And I've got to write those things down that are really important because I have to look at it. Are you guys like that? A few of you are. Okay. Well, let's take light. How do you spell intellectual? Intellectual. There, it's really sloppy, but whatever, right? That was something I didn't do well in school was penmanship. I really tested my, my teacher. Truth. Intellectual. Light. Knowledge. What you take in. Let's look at some verses in regards to that. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 23. Proverbs 6, verse 23. Proverbs 6, verse 23. For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light. And reproofs of instruction are the way of life. What is he speaking about? He's talking about knowledge. He's talking about truth in the sense of intellectual. Psalm 119. Turn back to Psalm chapter 119. Psalm 119 and verse 105. Psalm 119, 105. This psalm is longer than a lot of books. Psalm 119, verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Speaking of, again, truth that's intellectual. The light that is truth. One more. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verses 3 and 4. Again, I, I tell you, this is uh, when you think about the, 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 the monument of what the Bible really is and to have, to have lasted this long with so many manuscripts, and to think of this, over, it was written over the course of 1,500 years. That's crazy. And it's written by 40 different people, and they wrote 66 different independent books. And when you're all done, did you see what we're going to do now? We've been in Psalms, we've been in the Old Testament, now we're going to pop into the New Testament, and it's going to say the same thing. That is so amazing to me. It is so amazing. I, I know I, can't, I say this all the time, don't I? But if I had you guys write a book, and I gave you a year to write it, the chances of it making sense amongst you, zero. And not to say anything bad about any of you, but that is a feat, is it not? And then do you think it would last this long? <laughs> I'm sorry. The Bible is a truly unique 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom, speaking of them, the God of this world, who's that? Satan, hath blinded the minds of them, not their eyes, hath blinded the minds of them, which believe not. Now, does that not sound exactly like the religious leaders? That when Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and they'd already chosen... To not believe him. What is that? That's a blinding out of the eyes of the mind. Happening all over the world today. Which believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine upon them. There's a fantastic verse that talks about light in the sense of truth or intellectual. Now there's a one, another one. There's truth and then there's what we've written down as, well, we haven't written it down. 
is life or literally more moral behavior. This has to do with behavior. This has to do with thinking. You see, it just fits together. What you think is how you live. To be blinded, to be in darkness is ignorance. It's something that is, in this case, it speaks of Satan literally blinding their minds. When you take in truth, the output, that's intake, the output will be holiness or righteousness, a moral behavior that is light. That is light. Turn with me to uh, Isaiah chapter 5. Let's go all the way back to the Old Testament again. Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20. Isaiah 5, 20. It's a verse we read several, a number of weeks ago, maybe more than I remember. This is where we're at in our country today. This is when we've mixed up light and darkness, when we can't tell the difference. And the scripture speaks of it. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. Woe! That's usually, and not like woe the horse, W-H-O-A. It's woe, like this is problems, this is a disaster, this is trouble. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what's going on in our nation today. If you're in the inner cities of Portland, Seattle, Minneapolis, Chicago, New York, they're calling the light darkness, and they're talking what's good they're saying is evil because they've rejected truth. They've rejected the light. Their foolish hearts have become darkened. Isn't it amazing how the Bible is so relevant? I mean, you can pick up Fox News and this baby just dives right in and says, there it is. That's chapter 5, verse 20 of Isaiah. Isn't it? Ooh. We already read to Romans chapter 1, verse 21. Let's go to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. And verse 12 and 13. Romans 13, 12 and 13. Romans 13, verses 12 and 13. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envy, but put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Intellectual darkness produces works of darkness. Did we? Yeah, we read 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. Let's go back there, though. I want us to see something. 1 John, find that. 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1, and let's look again at verse 5, but we'll read to verse 7. There's no place, better place to be than in the light. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This then is the message. I still hear pages rustling. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This then is the message which we have heard of him. Here it is. And declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him... And walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Isn't that absolutely true? Verse 7. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. 
And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Light produces light. Remember, like several weeks ago, we were talking about the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 5 of Matthew. And remember, we went through that, and it was how many characteristics? Or I should, what I should say is, uh, happy is he that there was, there was seven of them, right? And at the end, if, if you followed those, literally it would bring you right to Jesus Christ, to the, to the Messiah, to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And then you know what happened? It said that you are salt and light. Because light produces light. If you live in the walk in the light, if you follow after the light, you literally, in this case, reflect the light that is in him. Turn back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verses 4 through 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. But you, brethren, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 4. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep. If there's ever a time to be alive, to be active, to be engaged, to get after it, this is the time. This is the time. Back to Ephesians chapter 4. How are you doing? Is your Bible getting hot? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18. Watch this. And I'm doing this because I think, if anything, if you're wondering about how, you know, the Bible, it's just, is it true? Given the, the length of time that these are written and how they all fit together is miraculous. It is an act of God. Chapter 4 of Ephesians in verse 18 says this. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Darkness. We're going to have to make choices to, to be in the light. We have to make choices to live according to what Jesus wants us to be. One more time, let's turn back to Ephesians chapter 5 and let's look at the remainder of those verses that we read. There is a contrast. We've been working actually all afternoon in regards to that. There's darkness and there's light. We have to choose to live in the light. Walk is another word for living. And our lives should show it. How, do you prove, how can you prove that you are walking in the light? Are you an example? Are you proving it? Remember those three words I asked you to look at? Goodness, righteousness, and truth. Literally, uh, oh, I didn't do this. Hold your place one more time. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 15. If you'd rather, I'll just read it to you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 15. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Literally, that sense of goodness that we find back in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 9, is the sense of doing good to others. And righteousness, the second one there, has to do with our relationship with God, not deviating in our relation with God. And then the last, truth, is really ourselves. The integrity of ourselves. 
Are we being honest with ourselves? Are we, and basically, that's probably the most hideous thing that actually happens when we throw absolute truth out. In other words, we have nothing to measure ourselves by. When there's no truth to measure us by, what, how, how do we, right? It's really a, it's a, it's a landmark or, or a gauge by which we really can even answer questions that we ask of ourselves. Then let's go back to Ephesians 5, if you're not there. In verse 11, it says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Don't get involved in darkness. We've talked about it on the intellectual level, on the moral behavior level. Don't get involved with it. Don't be intimately involved. To fellowship is another word we'd say there. You find in verse 11, the latter part, reproving. To change. To become everything that Light would want us to be. And it's amazing. See, that's the difference, again, between light and darkness. When we choose to believe, when, truth, when, we, when we see truth for what it is, and we believe what we see as being truth, the lights come on. And when lights come on, you see things for what they are. When we choose to disbelieve truth, the lights go off. We can't even distinguish the difference anymore. It's so imperative that we stay in the confines of light, just as Jesus said. Verse 14 is actually an invitation to those that do not know Christ. Verse 14, chapter 5 says, he says, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. That is exactly what literally Jesus said in chapter 8 of John. Awake, arise, accept. That's that simple. Awake, arise, accept. Follow him. So when we're following him, he leads us in the light. Look at verse 15, uh, the same chapter, chapter 5 of Ephesians. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. All of those things tie together. The will of God and walking in the light, following Jesus, all just fit like a glove. They fit like a glove. And that's what Jesus Christ wants us. He wants us to walk in the light. He wants us to accept him. He wants us to know everything there is that is ours through him. And you think about all things. We know that all things work together for good to those that love God. One of the things, these numbers are erased here. One of the things we need to do is, again, love the things that God loves and hate the things that God hates. Now, you're going to have to figure that out by studying the Bible. You're not going to find it in the media. There's so much spin and propaganda right now. I remember as a young boy growing up, probably first, second grade, and I remember in geography. I think it was geography. Were we, do you guys still have geography? I mean, way back when, when I was, dinosaurs were roaming. Did you, you had geography. Yeah, yeah, see, we were the same kind of different. Well, anyway, maybe it wasn't geography. I don't know what it was, but it was this. I remember this, and we were studying uh, communist Russia at that time, Soviet Union. And I remember a statement made by, by my teacher, which I don't even remember that person right now, but I remember this, he or she said, we are so blessed to live in a nation where we get the real news and there's real journalism. Because in Russia, it's all propaganda. The communist countries, they get what they want to give. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? And maybe before. But I will say there was a stark difference at that time in the 60s between where Russia was and where we were. And where we are today, it's indistinguishable. 
So where do we get truth? You are not going to find it on a media. You will not find it unless you know what to seek for. In fact, if you even look at the Internet and you ask a question, you have to, you have to think about who's answering it. I want to know what that person said about what they were saying before I'm going to receive it. The Bible is your source. The Bible is your exclusive source of truth. If something else doesn't match up to it, it's not a problem with the Bible. It's a problem with the other source. Now, if you're here and you say, I don't know if I can really trust or believe the Bible, that's a great place to be. It is really a great place to be because you're in a perfect place yet, still in America, that you can study that out. C.S. Lewis was a man that had set out to write a book to prove the Bible was totally a, a bunch of fables. And that was one intellectual dude. He's written some fantastic books, Mere Christianity being one of them. When he got done, <laughs> he says, I came kicking and screaming to God, but I knew that it was true. Now, if you can refute what C.S. Lewis did, please do it on your own grounds. Don't accept what an atheist says. Don't accept what an agnostic says. Don't accept what a skeptic says. Take the Bible, tear it apart, read it, study it, get everything possible, go through, do whatever you need to do, and I'll help you. I can give you, I can give you things that you can study. Not to come to my conclusion. No, that's what's really cool about the Bible. It can defend itself. God can take care of himself. And I, say, I still say this, and I've said it a million times to you. The one thing that just does continue to just mess with my head, other than I know the truth, is the fact that an atheist, which they say there is no God, not couldn't be a God, they just say there is no God. Why would you waste minutes and hours and days and months and years of your life trying to prove to somebody else that there is no God? If there is no God, why would you bother? Because they know in their heart there's something else besides them. I praise God for how he made us. He's created us. He's given us what we need. But more than that, I want, I want to show you this. It came in my mind again. Ephesians chapter 1. You're probably still in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 1. And I want you to see how much he thought of you. You matter to God. We as humans matter to God. Verse uh, chapter 1, and we'll start in verse 3 of chapter 1 of Ephesians. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. You can't even imagine what you have in Jesus Christ. I could stand here for the rest of my life and tell you about what I know, about what the Bible declares that is yours in Christ Jesus. But I'm not going to do that. You guys can relax. And it wouldn't even begin to scratch the surface because you're going to have to be there to get it. And the only way you can be there is to accept what Christ did for you. Now let's look at verse 4. When did he decide this? According as he hath chosen us in him. In other words, he chose all of those to be in heaven through Jesus Christ exclusively. I, that's not my laws. It's not your laws. You don't want to get to make it up. That's literally what he did. But watch when he did it. This is, this is amazing to me. He hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Now, where did that start? Go all the way back to Genesis 1.1. You want to know where this was at? It was before this. Genesis 1.1. You know it in your heart, but I'm going to read it anyway. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Before he did that, he determined that Jesus Christ would die for my and your sins. Because that would be the only way that we could be joined together with him. Now, that is love supreme. That is love supreme. Now, we've got choices to make. And I tell you what, in the year 2020, I probably have never seen more distinct and weird stuff going on. That we will have to take a stand, 
We'll have to use our brain and our backbone. You have to stand up for the things God loves and hate the things God hates. The only way you're going to know that, read his word. He's clear. It's open. It's concise. Questions, comments? Tell you what, that's six, I, I, was, I was researching this two weeks ago, and that 61 million is still just etched in my mind. I can't get it out of there. It's crazy. It's crazy. And I don't know if this ties together or anything. I have a, no idea. I don't know. That's the power of God. Yeah. In, in every, before, he, before God made anything, it was truly dark. Dark is the absence of light. Think on that. The absence of light. So light pierces or dispels darkness, and the only one that is light is God, of which there's no darkness within him. He truly is our answer. He truly is our answer. I just know... The taking of life is not cool. It's not cool. We, got, we need to pray about it. We need to vote about it. We need to talk about it. We need to do whatever we need to do. We have to love the things God loves. And he's pro-life. <laughs> he made it. He decided for it, and he called it good. And then when he put Eve with Adam, not Steve and Adam, he called it very good. And you know what? The breakdown of the family. Right now what's happening to us is we're having, trying to have a breakdown in our government. You read uh, Roman, um, yeah, Romans chapter 15. Lawlessness. God doesn't like lawlessness. That's why he gave us governments. Now that doesn't mean governments are perfect. I mean, when, when, when uh, Paul wrote that, guess who's on the throne of his place? Nero. He's a freak. He's weird. He's wild. He's whacked. But God protected Christians even in that. We have, we have an unbelievable... Not only a responsibility, but a privilege to still be in a free country. I'm saying that a little bit. It's, it's getting less free. But nonetheless, you still have the right to cast a vote. That's pretty cool. There's a lot of places today that a vote doesn't count. And we're fast approaching to where it may not. But I'm just saying we have a privilege and a responsibility to get on the side of what God loves and what God hates. Because it's always the right time to do the right thing. To God be the glory. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for leading us into truth. And Father, if I've said anything today that is not what you would want said, that it would quickly evaporate from our minds, and that the Holy Spirit would have spoken to us exclusively. We pray for all of those that are here today, that even in the quietness of their hearts and their minds, that you would work diligently, fervently, and completely. Thank you for the love that you've extended towards us through Jesus Christ. Father, you love us. You love us more than we could even possibly know. To think about before you made anything that was in your purpose. To choose to send Jesus Christ, the very essence of who you are, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, to sacrifice God the Son, to come to an earth that he made, to be blasphemed, to be crucified at the hands of those he made, to be buried, to be dead for three days, and then, Father, you put the stamp of approval that his sacrifice was perfect, complete, and entire for eternity. And you re he rose from the dead, witnessed by many, many people. 
Again, thank you for truth. Thank you we have truth. May we pursue it with diligence. Father, we pray for our country. We think of the land of, of the free and the brave and the liberty for all and principles of which it was founded upon. And at this point, it's almost with half-heartedness that we can say those out loud. But you're the same God. You're still fully, completely in charge and control. You know the beginning from the end. You've never changed. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. Father, I pray for our leaders at every level across this nation from states and counties and cities and towns. That they would accept the truth. That they would bow down in repentance. They would follow you. As Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me shall have light. Father, we need light. And we need lots of it. And Father, we know as light shines in our lives, there will be things that we see that need to be taken care of. And Father, you are the God of forgiveness. You are the God of grace. When we come honestly and fervently toward you, with repentance on our hearts, with humbleness in our minds, as we bow before your feet, you are there quickly to show us your love, to tell us that you are ours because of what Christ did. Reprove us, remake us. May we walk in the fruits of the light. Righteousness, truth, and goodness. Those are your fruit. Fruit doesn't come from us. It's from having life in you. Do what you need to do with us, Father. Our life's journey will take us many miles apart from one another through this week. Because that's what life does. Protect us and provide for us. And give us, allow us, Father, to have all of the armor we need to have, as it said in the scriptures we read today, to put on the armor of light. Thank you for what you're doing. We give it to you with thanksgiving and praise for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name. <clears throat>